Welcome back once again to a special episode of the Lone Star Meeple Podcast. With me as always to my right, we have the Red Meeple, Alex. Hey, how's it going? To my left, we have the Green Meeple, Michael. Hey guys, what's up? And myself, the Blue Meeple, Sean. We are the Lone Star Meeple Podcast. All right. All well, right. guys, this is an exciting episode. I the end of the year? Special we should, edition. We should have, like, tuxedos, I feel. I wore my tuxedo. You I have a t-shirt that has a picture you know what? of a tuxedo. I don't doubt that what you're wearing right now is your tuxedo. <laughs> you that, know what? No one at home can point. see what I'm wearing. Fair point. Basketball shorts and a t-shirt. It works for me. I have track pants and a hoodie. That's, you know, I'm from Staten Island. That's about as tuxedo as it gets. There you go. Staten Island tuxedo. All right, so this is a special uh, I Actually, I think from now on, I'm going to refer to track pants and a hoodie as the Staten Island tuxedo. I think you just coined an amazing phrase. You know, <laughs> Leslie is going to hate it. She is going to absolutely Which hate it. Which makes it better. But especially since we're getting married in March. Knock on wood. Hey, hold on. So, at the rehearsal dinner, everyone should show up in their Staten, Staten, Staten Island tuxedos. tuxedos. Oh, this is, a, this is a thing. We're making this a thing. Uh, honey, you could blame Alex for this. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, I can take it. Um, but we are doing our first award show. I know we're new, but we still want to do an award show. I think yeah. I think we deserve uh, we deserve to give awards. Yes, those games deserve awards. Yes. It's for them, yes. not it's for, for them. us. It's not for it's us. It's for them. <laughs> because we can play board games all day and 2020 has been kind of a slow game for board games at least for me. We're making this a 2019-2020 board game of the year celebration. Yeah. Because we've been we've been planning and discussing this since 2019. Or so yeah. I like f- for real. Like I had a hard time coming up with some of this because I feel like what happened was I I started getting a lot of games in 2019. We started to play them late 2019. Then COVID happened. And then in 2020, we were still playing all the games that we got in 2019 that we didn't quite get to play, you know, in uh, in in 2019. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's been rough. Uh, a couple of Kickstarters came in that we've played through once or twice, but we really just... I mean, we used to play board games every night of the week. There was somewhere we could go play board games. So we had yeah. a restaurant to go to on Sunday. Monday was at a friend's house. Wednesday was at the local board game store. Thursday was another friend's house. Friday was usually somewhere. Saturday yeah. was a longer game if no one had plans for that weekend. And Yeah, Austin has been great for board, or used to be great for board games. Um, now, we have several really good stores. Really good I'm meetups. Gonna, I'm going to throw some out. We have Wonko's. Great company, great family that owns that. Several tables that were always clean and pleasant to play at. We have Gaming Goat, Gaming which Goat. is yeah. a chain, but our local chain is owned by a great guy. Oh, he's really long. nice. He's really cool. Really cool. Um, we have Emerald Dragon. Tavern. Emerald yeah. Tavern, I like. I like to go there because I can get food. So Emerald That's Tavern has upped their game, unfortunately, mm. at a horrible time of the year. Oh, I felt bad because they were so planning. They like, had this real small store and they had four or five shells 10 or so tables it was always fun to go to it had a very just good feel good store great people great people yeah and they there was a restaurant next door that closed down that they're like ooh, and they went and swooped it up and they did a giant renovation they have event rooms they have a full kitchen and lots of covid attacks lots of tables lots of uh retail space and then covid and they're like oh no. But yeah. we've, been, we've been trying to support them. Yeah, support possible. your local game stores, definitely. The, we played the the play test of that one game. We met at Emerald Tavern and did that one there. Mm-hmm. The Old Salt. 
Yep. yep. Emerald Taverns, that's usually my go-to just because it's like a cafe and a board game. I can get coffee. I can get food. I can... You could you could easily spend the whole day and a hundred bucks there would not even realize. And, and for those uh, people down south, Tribe Games I hear is really good. I've never personally been. never been there. It's but. I um when I first started gaming in Austin, that was one of the places I would go. I was driving for Lyft and Uber, and I would work my way south, and then I'd play a couple games like on a Tuesday night, and then work my way back north. So just but, showing showing our southern players a little bit. A little um, bit of love there. The guy who does the local conventions, Board Game Bash, he's through Tribe. I don't know if he actually worked there or ran their events, but he's through Tribe as well. Right. So Austin's a great place to game. If you're in Austin, send us a message. Maybe we can meet at one of these places and uh, you get to play with if your If you ever come visit people's. Austin, we'll show you one of these cool places. Yeah. All right. So in our award show, we each picked our top 10 games for 2019 slash 2020. Where these games are games that we personally liked. They're not the top games. There might not, you might not even have heard of a game or two. Mm-hmm. But these are the games that we felt stood out for us. We're going to post these lists on our website, thelonestarmeeple.com, where you guys get to vote to see which ones win our individual awards. So there's the Red Meeple Award, the Blue Meeple Award, and the Green Meeple Award. And then overall, what was the best game for the Lone Star Meeple game of the year? Okay. So I took, I just went uh, Board Game Geeks 2019-2020, and then I just clicked rank and started working my way down. Came up with 20. Here's the ones I like, my top 10 of those. And I did rank them from 10 down to 1. One, excuse me, 1 being my favorite. Okay, mine are unranked and in no particular order. I did, I do have about a list of... 30 games in front of me. <laughs> We're going to go through our list. My list was in no particular order. I'm just kind of mentioning games I liked. Yep. Mine was, mine's in no order either. I kind of did the same thing that Michael did. I went to BGG and started looking up lists of what came out in 2019 and 20 and just started cycling through the list. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I did play that one. All right. So let's, uh, Sean, let's start with you doing your first game. And then if it was on someone else's list, we'll just talk about it a tiny bit. And we'll just work our way around the room, each listing one until we're done with our 10. Yeah. Sounds cool. good. Right, Sounds Sean, good. Take it away. So, surprise, surprise. Uh, the first one that I thought of for this list, Clank Legacy. Clank Legacy is on my Clank list Clank well. Legacy is Man, the first yeah. game's already a triple. I tri- will say, since I ranked it, that was my number one. Yeah, I think that I would. If, if I would have a number one, I think that would be my number one. And I kind of assumed it would be on both of you's list also. But yeah, but Clank Legacy... Alright, we gotta be careful because not everyone's played this one. So as we talk about it, let's just be as general as possible. Oh, yeah. it's, uh, amazing it's game. Clank. It's Clank. It's with Clank. a story. With line. an awesome with story. Really fun story. Some really fun kind of troll type, type stuff that happens in there to just kind of make you chuckle. It's a little campy, but I will it say was amazing. If, if you like Clank, you'll love Clank Legacy. Also, if you've never played Clank and you're look, or if you played Clank and you're looking to buy a copy, buy Clank Legacy. Buy Clank Legacy. Yes. It's one of the few legacy games that feels like it could be a legitimate game after you're done. I know there's some say it's playable when you're done. It, they're not. This one is a full-fledged customized game when you're done. Yeah. So definitely if you haven't played Clank Legacy or you like Clank and don't own it, buy Clank Legacy. It was amazing. Yeah, so and it's on all three of our lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one on my list, I guess we're going that way. Oh, go for it. You want to do? Okay, go. No, for you want to go counterclockwise go. and just fuck uh, up the rotation? Go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> right, since we're gonna go this way, 
Um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adventure game is uh, on my list, and I went all in on the Kickstarter. I've got. I'm not surprised at all. Not even a little bit. <laughs> no, no, did it make I, I, knew, <laughs> I almost debated. I'm like, should I do like pull a Tom Vazel and make side lists of what I think you guys put on yours? <laughs> but I just I do love Ninja Turtles. I've always loved Ninja Turtles. When this game came out, I bought it and I've played the heck out of it as much as I could. I think this game I've played more in front of computers and cameras than I have in front of real people. I had a friend, Max, he bought his and we've played with other people who are around the United States and world and we've set together you've played with the developer of the game i have played with the developer of the game it's been it's been a blast but so ninja turtles the adventure card uh, adventure games which batman is going to be on your list next year is my money might be (laughs) the first game i'm going to talk about is probably no big surprise to anybody who knows me isle of cats that game I thought was really On great. My short list. Theme, <laughs> theme was good, but I thought the gameplay was really great. It took a game I detest, like Patchwork or mm-hmm. um, what's the summer the, summer the, meadows with all with, those other with, with the <laughs> polynominoes. Yeah, polynominoes yeah, that Tetris. are hard, but it made it into a fun game. That I really enjoyed getting the cats on the board before it's really, the murderer comes and murders all the cats on the island. Yeah. It's a great theme. It's <laughs> what. Yeah, so the, the I haven't played that. I haven't played, haven't played it. No, no. So the we played the is... other cat game, Calico. Oh, that's a fun game. Yeah. Too. So, so you have so... five weeks before the murderer comes in. There's a little boat that's like a little black boat that's marching, and that's the round marker. Jesus. When he gets to the round marker, he's gonna come murder all the cats on the island. So you're so you're is... trying to save as many cats as you can. So this is the cat play... version of Corella Deville, basically. And pretty much, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's the first. I th- I was really amazed by the game, the quality of the game. It's really fun and i have yet to have someone not like it it is on my short list but i put other games above it because i figured it was on yours all right (laughs) so my next one is star wars outer rim my only grievance with this game is it can be a little long but that's easily fixed by just saying instead of playing to 10 we're gonna play to eight so it's a very very simple way to get around that um but no it's it is a at its core a pickup and deliver game but it is super thematic to Star Wars. Like you definitely feel like you are in that universe doing these things, you know, playing as a bounty hunter if you wanted to try to, you know, play that route of picking up bounties and then trying to capture them and avoiding the empire, uh, bouncing from planet to planet, picking up goods. Um, so it is super thematic to Star Wars. It definitely feels like it puts you in that world. Uh, so it's Star Wars Outer Rim. So I enjoyed that game, but you're right. It it overstayed its welcome, in my opinion. And I really like that there's no Jedi's, personally speaking. Yeah, and like you're playing as like these, and like the the big characters, some of them will that will show so it, up in the game. Because I haven't cards. actually played this one, so is it more like the solo story version yeah. of this, or like the Mandalorian, where it's like Star Wars adjacent? It's like the Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah. It's like Star Wars adjacent. It's, yeah. This this game could honestly be called Mandalorian the game. Mm. I've been interested in it, but it was when it came out. I was super busy, and I was uh, taking a break in board games because I just didn't have time. And by the time I got back into it, everyone had played their first run through it, so it wasn't bring coming out to the restaurants and stuff anymore. So I just never yeah. had a chance. No, to play it's it. it's good. It is it is long. If you play the full like play to ten, you know uh, I forget what the, they call the points. Like the other the other thing something. is in my experience, there's not enough player interaction. If you can kill each other and fight each other. Or 
Well, no, I mean, you can you can get in each other's way. I'm like, if you have a bounty, like, you know, we can I can attack your ship and steal your bounty. Maybe I'm thinking of a different game. Anyways, Michael. All right, so the next one on my list, uh, we learned at Board Game Geek Convention in the spring version. And one of my favorite things about going to the spring version is the Spiel des Jahres. It's in between the nominations and the awards of the Spiel des Jahres. And they have tables set up for every nominated uh, game. And they have judges from the Spiel des Jahres coming to teach you them. And all the judges are from Germany. And they speak with a thick German accent. And it, I love letting them teach us these games. And when we asked him about this game, he was like, why should this game win? And his explanation was just so good. And he's like... Was this when we were at PGG? Was... Um, I don't know. It was Lala. Yes. Do you remember playing oh, Lala no, with no, us? Oh, no. Lala, I think no. it was the year before you went. Yeah. Um, and he's like, but the game is so good. And he has this thick German accent that I'm not going to mock right now. But he's just so enthusiastic. He's like, the game is so good. Every hand, everyone says, yeah. Either you did something good and you're like, yeah. Or everyone goes out and they're like, yeah. And every hand was like, that. no way this game is that good. So we sat down and played it with them. And every hand ended with everyone groaning, either in anticipation and anger or frustration. But Llama is one of my games of the year. Because I will say I it have... is just so much fun. Llama is on my list, that's, actually. <laughs> that's on my short list. That's Llama that's... is on my list. That's on my list. Because I, I have yet, like, if you ever said, hey, let's play Llama, there's a very, it's very rare that I would say no. And it's, it's quick. It's quick. You, you get six cards in your, or you start with six cards in your hand. The card's number one through six with a Llama at the end. And it's very Uno-esque. You're going to play cards, either the number that you see or the next number higher. And then the six wraps to a Llama, which wraps back down to a one. First one out wins. That's fine. Yeah. Hmm. So my next game was going to be Clank Legacy, but we already talked about it. So I'm going to go to the next game, which is Unmatched. So I'm guessing I've played Unmatched with both of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This Sean, is on my short the, list. I know the Buffy, the Buffy one just The Buffy out. one am, is yes. waiting for you. I am going Game to get it. It's on my short but, list as well. <laughs> but it is such a fun tactic, quick. Each character feels completely different than the, the one you previously played. You can have tournaments of this, Ron Robin tournaments, where everyone's just kind of beating each other up. Lots of fun, quick to pick up, easy to learn, hard to master type of games. I thoroughly enjoy it, and I'd love to have a collection of it. My biggest issue, and this is something that might be solved later, is I want a box of holding for it. Yes, I want, because like, it's already full. Yeah, I want. I don't want like to have 18 different boxes, and if I'm going over to your house to play, mm-hmm. I don't want to have to carry one bag full of it. Because one of the great things about this game is one of the things that sucks the most about it is the inserts. Yeah. The inserts are fabulous and cuz every character is a little bit different. So this character has two uh, tokens. two tokens and then three little triangles it goes with yeah. it or something. And when you pull up his deck of cards, you see the two tokens and a spot for the three triangles. And then there's four uh, characters in this one box. But now that's all that fits in there's this box. There's no space, so you there's have to have no space So for then I got else. you got me the Jurassic Park one for my mm. birthday and I have two boxes of it and that's that personally annoys me. Yeah. But other than that, I think that this game is pretty perfect for what it does. Yeah, it was it's it was fun. smart, it's intuitive, and I'm totally going to kick Buffy's ass with no. my my raptors. First of all, I'm picking Angel as my first character or Spike. Maybe Buffy, I don't know yet. You know, when I pick it up, I almost stopped there to pick it up, but I was like Ugh. That's going to waste too much time. we got to go and record. So <laughs> I, I'm going to jump and go out of order because my next one follows so well after that one. And it's the Funkoverse strategy games. 
the Funkover strategy games fit so well within that because the games are very similar in their feel. I have a very unique character and we're going to fight against each other. It's a little bit different map, different, a little bit different systems. I will say that the Funkoverse is the bigger brother of Unmatched. Mm-hmm. It is more involved, more strategic, more choices. Unmatched is quicker, faster. Yeah. Funkoverse uh-huh. would be and a... You get little Funko minis with Funkoverse uh, ones. They're great. I, know, I haven't played Funkoverse I've played almost all in. I have all the Harry Potters, all the DC ones. Do you have the Kool-Aid Man? I don't have the Kool-Aid Man. He's not going to fit. Do you have the Game of Thrones? Not yet. That's Do you have the Nightmare Before list. Christmas? Okay, those haven't come out yet. But I have Harry Potter, Batman, and uh, Jurassic Park. Do you have the Golden Girls? I'm not buying the Golden Girls. Why would you not want to buy have, the Golden Girls? I have the Golden okay, Girls. Okay, so I, I would love to I see Blanche been... fight a raptor. That would just be Blanche amazing. Blanche fighting a raptor is high on my list of things to see. But yeah, the Funkoverse strategy game made it on my list. And I think that was just a, a really well done game. And I played it before I played the Unmatched. And I was like, wow, these are like the same they're, they're... idea, but just done completely yeah. differently. And like I said, honestly, if you're sitting there deciding which one to buy if you want something a little bit more strategic more finicky more pieces to move more decisions funkoverse you want they something said faster that like a compliment but i think I was, he was, so that was a me. backhanded compliment like, yeah if you want something finicky and more no, busy no, no. Then... you're really pretty for a fat girl <laughs> no 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 i mean it i mean it as a compliment all right all right i'll go back to you now all right so my next one is another thematic game based on an ip uh is jaws so Jaws came up. Uh, Scott actually is the one that that bought it. No. Okay. Oh, we didn't mention him last podcast. We didn't mention him last oh, podcast. Oh, poor Scott. Oh well. Oh, womp womp. <laughs> so, but yeah, but Jaws is it is definitely highly thematic to the movie. Like it, it kind of follows suit. It's one of the only one versus all games or one versus many games that I actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. That's typically something I I'll play them, Fury but I'm usually. Dracula? I'm not really that in the Fury of Dracula. Really? Like, it's okay, but it's just... Okay, eh, sure. I never, back to Jaws. <laughs> yeah, back to Jaws. Um, but yeah, but it's so... like The game takes place in two phases. The first phase of the game, you know, the shark is running, you know, dodging around, eating swimmers, and the people are on the island trying to, to figure out, you know, where they are and to tag them a couple of times. And then the second half of the game is the shark is just eating the boat and trying to, like, myrtleize... The people on the boat. One of the things I loved about this game is you never felt like you were going to win. Whether you're playing Jaws or Quinn and uh, all the people, neither group felt like they were going to win. It was a fight to the end every time. At the end of the game, almost every time I've played, there's a few pieces of the boat left and either the people died or Jaws died. But you never knew who was going to win. It was never a clear cut. And, and that's coming like Jaws does really well in the first half. So he gets this huge advantage of a deck of cards that he just can just beat the crap out of uh, all the guys on the boat. But they still come back and like, we're still beating you. And we're still hanging with you. And we're still wearing you yeah. down. Yeah, and it's a, it's kind of like the end of the movie too. Like you see, like Brody is just kind of chilling out like on that one piece of boat that's floating left. That's basically how every <laughs> game every of Jaws ends. <laughs> I included this one on my list mainly for the reason to mention Prospero Hall, that they're doing games that you're finding in Target and Walmart, and you're finding games um, that are very IP-based. But they're good games. You're They're not going to compare to some of the other games that are just the high-quality game hobby games that we're finding in lots of other places. But for people who don't know board games that walk into Target and see Jaws, they're going to pick up a game that's a quality done game based on an IP that they know and they love. 
And I know they did one based on The Shining, and they have a Titanic one. And Top Gun. They, Top Gun. And I haven't played all those games, but based on the th- four or five that I've played from Prospero Hall, they're mo- probably great games. Yeah, I may actually pick up The Shining one. Yeah. I think my girlfriend's going to make me pick it up, too. She never, really loves The never Shining. never seen either of those movies. You never saw The Shining? Or Jaws. I, I, got, I got Shining in the freezer if you want to borrow it. It's a Friends reference. Because oh, yeah. he keeps, yeah, cause he keeps uh, it in the freezer. Yeah. All right, so since I skipped ahead earlier, I'm going right, to let Alex next, go. My next game is a game that I was excited when I read the description, found it, bought it, and I think all of us really liked it a lot. War of Whispers. I really enjoy the, you're not really controlling the risk pieces, you're controlling the people behind the risk pieces, <laughs> and how you're bidding to, for your army to win, but you can switch the bids and start cheering for another team. It's, I think it's a great game overall in the wargaming area control aspect. Because I don't care if this if the blue team wins, I still get points. I want red and yellow yeah. to win. I want red, yellow, or blue to have points. So it's really interesting. The you're you're putting your workers out. Because they're manipulating the board. But the thing is, they stay there because you only take one back. So yeah. you're gonna be you're gonna be in this position for a long time until you decide to take that one back. Mm-hmm. I think it's really well really well made. Yeah, I like the fact that you you're the puppet master and not the general you're working behind the scenes and trying to like the negotiations between the two it's like all right they're gonna attack here but you're gonna attack them and you're not actually involved in the battle and you might can you might put your guy your worker in the one you want to lose to make them lose oh you're gonna go fight three guys to 40 guys yeah good luck with that guys (laughs) or i'm gonna move my army far away from the border where there's no points it's Mm -hmm. it's it's really a, interesting game. I like that one a lot. So next one on my list was a Kickstarter that I got. It was Rorik Dawn of Kiev. So this one was... I remember the first time we played it, it took us, like usual, halfway through the game. We're like, oh, so really the game is in this one section where you're kind of... It's an action selection slash kind of bidding Speed bid yeah yeah so it's it's weird so you have these these workers and each one has auction? a I get, it's almost like an auction so you your workers have a number on them and you place them on um on an action that you want to do but the workers will resolve from lowest to highest so you might get to go last but you get like you go first but you don't get as good an, it was it was something weird like that but you can pay and bribe people to bump your character with a lower number to the top of the list. So, you know, this way you're not only now going first, you're also getting the best action. As opposed to, you know, going last and getting a little bit of a, a less of an action. Uh, and then there was some, you know, some collection involved and some area control. But overall, I thought that was a, that was a really cool game. Alright, so my next one on the list is Edge of Darkness. It uses the card crafting game that you found in... Uh, mystic veil with the clear cards and the card sleeves uh but it does it with it made it into a game mystic veil was just very very basic game where you're getting cards making them a little bit better and just working your little system with it it was a fun game but just basic but edge of darkness turns it into a full-fledged board game where you're using these cards to hire more guys to train them up a little bit better and there's a big bad that's coming in and as you're getting the cards and making them better 
one of the th cool things about this is everyone it's a deck building game but card crafting card crafting but everyone's cards go into the same deck so i have cards in there that have a little green label on them and there's a blue team and a red team but as i make my cards better they go into a common deck so if i draw them i can use them a little bit better but if you draw them you got to pay me to use them kind of thing but another unique thing is each as each card gets better and better those become the bad guys and the bad guys get stronger and stronger as you go through the game. So Edge of Darkness, it's one of the game I would love to play a little bit more, but each time I've played it, I've really enjoyed figuring out the puzzle. Um, there's just a stack of, I think, 30 different locations, and you only play with 10 of them, and each location works together with another one. So kind of like how Dominion did at the very beginning, had a whole bunch of cards, and you only pull 10 of them, and that 10 is where you have to figure out your game. That's kind of what this one's doing, too, is lots of locations you pick 10 and you play your game with those 10 um edge of darkness i really liked the card crafting getting stronger the common deck and being able to make those the bad guys that you have to fight against that is a fun game and i love the tower the, yeah the cube tower the cube really tower is cool. really cool uh it's a triple decker or triple three-way cube tower you throw the cubes into the top but there's a divide in there somewhere that it's either going to come to the left right or center and those are the bad guys that are going to attack. And whenever the bad guy gets enough cubes, he attacks someone. Good, yeah. Hmm. My next game, and I've talked about it before, uh, Mysthea by Tabula Games. This is a game that came out of left field for me. I just, the reason I got it is because someone <laughs> said it was Blood Rage on steroids. I feel like and, I played this with you. Like, I know I did. I can't remember which and one it after, is. Though. Well, it has, like, the really weird minis, and you have, like, golems, and you have little golems, and you have a hero, and there's bad guys on the board. And the way you remember it is the board is five, like, circular planets that can move around. With a very generic world in the middle, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's just what I really like about it is it's Blood Rage on steroids. There's area control, but it's not about fighting. It's about being in the right place at the right time. So one of my favorite things is you never actually know when the round's going to end. There's a deck of cards, and when all five different land types come out, the, the game ends. So there's five land cards, but there might be eight cards in the deck. So you might get five rounds, you might get eight rounds, depending on when those cards come out. And the first one that comes out might be, let's say, water. And water will be worth two points. And then... Uh, crystals might come out at the very end, and if you control crystals, they're worth 14 points. So you never actually know which one you're going through till closer to the end, where you're, and then you're trying to move your guys. But by the time it gets there, you're you're kind of stuck in a well. Do everyone's fighting for the crystals? Should I just control these areas and get eight points and let them fight over there? It's a really interesting take. And then there's like uh, deck building involved in it. Or not deck building, but hand building. Where you're buying cards to do more powers and get more actions. It was a great game. And I think it. I think it's that company did a fantastic job with it. Mm -hmm. It was a good game. Yep. Next one on my list, uh, we already talked about, is Llama. So, yeah, Llama. Awesome. Awesome, fun game. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I'll skip ahead to is another Kickstarter that I got in a ginormous box that does not fit on a shelf anywhere, but it's Court of the Dead 
Mourner's Call. That's on my short list. Uh, like this one, this uh, was it, a cool it game. It did not make my short list. It, uh, I mean, what I liked about this one first and foremost was uh, I liked putting the, 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 the art. The art, yeah, he knows me very well. The artwork <laughs> and the theme. Like the theme of this just seemed like when I read it and I was watching the Kickstarter, it was just really cool. It's like you are this group kind of in between trying to manipulate the battle between heaven and hell t- to your own benefit. So like I thought that was really interesting. The artwork was amazing, uh, and it I, I like that it it takes area control, but it kind of does it in an interesting way where there's a whole area above the map with these different locations that you're trying to control to get you a different benefit, and then there's a whole bottom section based on the types of people and like the recruits you have like it's in like your a triple area. area control yeah, it's like a triple that. area control. So it's mm-hmm. it's hard to do all of it. No, you can't do all of it. So you have to really think about like, okay, well, what do I need? What am I trying to do? And what do I need this particular round and the next round? And let me try to go toward that. And then it's usually like stinks when someone else is trying to go for the same thing. So you have to say, do I want to fight for it? Do I want to readjust? Um, but yeah, overall, and the, I think I like the, the game length of it. I don't remember being too horrible for what it looks like. It's like two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, and it, and it looks like this big, massive, sprawling game. Uh, it comes with, you know, awesome metal coins. Again, it's in the range of Blood Rage type game. So if you like that type of game, definitely go for Court of the Dead. Yeah. If you're into Karuba and Metro, I'd stay away from this game. Just pick two games off myself. Is that what you did there? <laughs> Whose shelf? Who else, who else shelf am I going to pick? just pick two games that you can see. Mm-hmm. All right. So you can't see this one from where you're sitting. Uh, Sorcerer's City is the next one on my list. Uh, I learned this one at a convention from the one of the creators, designers. Um, and he sat down and he, I was like, all right, give me a, tell me what the game is. He's like, it's real-time Carcassonne with deck building. Yeah, this, like, one, this one almost made my list. <laughs> all right. All right. You have my interest. Tell me more. And... <laughs> I don't know if I could explain it much better than that, but you have tiles that uh, are very ge- just geometric shaped and there's four different colors. You might have um, half the tile is one color or the entire tile is one or it's split in fours or maybe there's like a T intersection. You have three colors on a tile. But as you have this deck of tiles, when the timer starts, you're going to try to start flipping them over and create patterns. And there's different shields that are scoring as you're putting them on there. But just being able to go through that mental exercise of, I need to score this one more this time because the greens are going to be points, but the reds are going to give me some influence so I get first buy at the market. But in order to buy at the market, I'm going to have to get enough gold, so I have to score the gold ones to get the money to buy stuff at the market. And just the being able to put those down and be able to score as many things as efficiently as possible. And as you're buying the uh, new tiles at the market, you're going to shuffle them in. All of that was fabulous, but then at the end of each round, a monster gets introduced into your tile, into your city, and so there's a handful of monsters that you're choosing, just a few of each game. So there's lots of different ones, and some are just all right. When you, this monster draws out, he lands on one of your scoring shields. They're not going to score. When this monster goes out, anything touching it is destroyed, and just being able to have to work through those monsters that you know are coming out each round. Uh, but the real time of this one, I just really enjoyed Sorcerer City. That's oh, a very colorful game. And <laughs> it's very colorful. However, the coins in this one uh, were actually not the coins. Oh, these are the ones that stack, right? They, they yeah. do stack and they stack and they uh, pyramid up. So the 50 mm. or the 100 points and they nest in and the 50s are a little smaller than the 20s all the way down to the ones. Mm. 
and they have a cool uh, little triangle as part of the logo on the coins as well. So as they stack, that triangle matches up, and it just follows out. And the, I think the one has a circle with no triangle on it. Yeah, it's, it's a neat coin. Yeah. So my next game, uh, I actually really enjoyed this game a lot. And it's really weird because I don't like co-ops that much. Forgotten Waters. Uh, it's, on my, it's on my list. <laughs> That's a, such a good... I don't think I played this yet. You haven't played no, it? I it's a storybook game by... Uh, Grey Hat Games. Yeah, I know of it. Like I, I can picture uh, no, the box art in my so, head. Plat Hat Games. Plat Hat Games, sorry, not Grey Hat Games. It's so fun. We played it. I remember you got it and we set it all up and we played it and we lost. After like an hour and a half, we lost and we immediately went, let's make a sandwich and play again. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and, and we, we never play a game again right away. Yeah, that like that's how good the game is. It's just so much fun the decisions you're making, the little star I like I like the little star chart thing so as you where you're go tra- through the yeah, game as, and- as you're leveling, you're making a little star chart and gaining bonus points as you're filling in stars and each character has its own story and you're following your character. Oh, I did this and I did that and and there's a good ending, a medium ending and an <laughs> awesome ending and I've yet and the battles are actually like, you don't know if you're going to win or not. Like usually in... It's uh, based on the Dead of Winter Crossroads system. So there's crossroad events that come out and stuff. But and it's, it's just all... It's, it's app driven, driven. So they're able to throw random elements in there. And one of the things that I really liked what the company did is right as the beginning of COVID was happening when the games came out. So they quickly jumped on the website because it's all web uh, website app driven and were able to put game numbers in so i could play with my parents up in massachusetts by saying hey we're gonna play game 792 so they type 792 in and i have my game and my board they have their game and their board and oh that's cool the monitor tells us what's happening in the game and we're able to set that up and follow along with each other one thing i really like and this is a little bit off topic but in one of the games i got cursed and it tells you on the card to pray to the gods of the pirate gods or something like but that. some link. Yeah, well, to, to at Twitter. So mm-hmm. I went to Twitter and I took a picture of the card and I went to Twitter and I was like, please have mercy on an old pirate, blah, 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 blah. They responded to me and gave me a bonus and they're like, okay, ignore the bad stuff. But in all, all in pirate talk. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So that was really cool. That's, I, I like my hats off to Plat Hat Games and Forgotten Waters, what I'd love to see is more of that. And Different worlds, different stories, more of that system. One thing that helped out a lot is because it was story-driven and it was all text. But the first couple missions, they've already hired the voice actors and they it's all like dramatized. So there's someone on there like, Arr, mateys, here's what we're doing today. And he reads it and it sounds like you're there. There's back, uh, background noises and everything. Uh, when we played it earlier, a lot of the later missions weren't dramatized yet, but I, I know they had plans for them to do so, it. I haven't double checked. So just overall quality, quality game, not overproduced. It's a book and, and, and some cardboard, some cardboard, some great cards. Game. Yeah. We should, we should really jump on that game. I cool. think you'd like it. So my next one is, it actually holds a special place because it, it brings back memories game? What? Is it Buffy? Is it no, it's not Buffy. It's Las Vegas Royale. Oh! oh! Okay, I take back my well, main comments. Well, I don't think that that's... Well, I guess well Royale know. came out because... So, basically, with this, this took the game Las Vegas, which is just a dice roll kind of, 
you know, put your numbers on the thing. It's which was an okay filler game for what it was. It was fun. But what I liked about Royale is it took Las Vegas and just bumped it up to making it a lot more interesting, a little bit more fun to play, gave you more things to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it takes the, the the premise of you know, it gives you the nice little tray in the middle, which the other one didn't have. You know, and it gives you these like special powers that can rotate and flip and gives you something different every game. Um, the dice quality, I think, was a little bit better in this one. And it doesn't help. It does It does actually help that I have a completely pimped out version that has real casino chips. From, oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. This this was purchased by my fellow meeples at my bachelor party while we were in Las Vegas. Purchased the game Las Vegas. And now I have also real Las Vegas casino chips in the game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I never played the original Vegas. The Royale was the first version I've played. And I did enjoy it quite a bit when we played it that day. Yeah. Like the, the original one was – think of the Royale version minus all the bells and whistles. You just have the cards on the table. Just different, yeah. And then you just roll the dice. You, you, you take your numbers. All right, I have two ones. I'm going to put them here. And then that's it. And you, so it was a, more of a filler. Yeah. Where Royale, it I liked it because it's more. more of a game. Yeah. Um, so the next one I have is The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. I grew up playing Spades and Hearts and 42 and just all these different trick-taking games with my parents and their friends. And when I was told this one is a cooperative trick-taking game, I was like, how in the world are you going to have a cooperative trick-taking game? And basically there's four suits with a fifth suit that's a trump. But the base, think of like a game of Spades. But the object of the game is to get this player to collect the five of hearts. He has to win the five of hearts. I was like, all right, how are we going to do that? Oh, yeah, by the way, you can't talk about what's in your hand. And there's a tiny little communication in the game. You can say, this is my highest one. So if I'm required to win that five of hearts, and I can say, all right, well, the three of hearts is my only heart. And now that just adds another wrinkle. It's like, how are we going to get him to collect that five of hearts if his highest heart's a four? Or three was what I said. And so just being able to work those around. But there's a mission book that comes with the game. They, I think there's 50 missions. And it starts off with someone has to collect this one. And then it just gets harder and harder after that. Now you have to collect the five parts, but you have to collect the three of spades. And you work your way around uh, more cards that you have to collect. And then you have to collect them in certain orders and stuff. But the suits are just go one through nine. And then there's a trump suit that's one through four. And they're just different colors. So it's not the typical deck of cards, but it's very similar. But that's mine. The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. All right. My next one is on the list because it's just dumb fun. And and not even that dumb, but it's called Paranormal Detectives. Uh, this is just a fun game where you can get six people together. One person's dead and is the ghost. So it's kind of like Mysterium. But instead of just giving this cards is the one to where, people, like, you're like right on my back. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah, this you're is right on the back. Using or you, tarot cards. You use to tarot cards to figure things out, or you grab the person's hand and or draw the worst a picture Ouija board in the while, world. <laughs> while singing Unchained Melody, it's just a that may or may not have happened. That may or may <laughs> not look on the Lone Star Meeple for Scott and Michael hugging. No, um, which one of you was Demi? No, I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> Oh, yeah. oh, I knew it. <laughs> but it's just a fun game. It doesn't take it so serious. It's, it, it, 
any level of gamer can appreciate it because it's fun. You're trying to figure out how the person died, and they're giving you the worst clues in the world. Because <laughs> you can't give good clues in this game. Like, one of them is like, you have two coat hangers, so you're like, all right, where did you die? So they take these two coat hangers, and they have to twist them into a picture. I was like, so you died in two right angles and a squiggle. Okay. And then when you find out how he died, I was like, oh, you died by falling downstairs. That makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once, once you know the story, you're like, everything made sense. Those were great. I was like, how did uh, I that was an amazing clue. How did you're I just not a terrible detective. <laughs> yeah, so that one is a lot. That was, I yeah, like that, that one a lot. That's a good one. Yeah. So my next one is, it's another kind of reboot of, of an older classic. is King of Tokyo Dark Edition. So I've always liked King of Tokyo. King of Tokyo is just a fun game. You know, it's one of those things that if it's stupid dice, it's stupid dice chucker. But like the original King of Tokyo, it was campy, campy artwork and dark edition. One, I liked it. It adds a couple of new mechanics to it. You know, nothing that, yeah, nothing that completely breaks or changes the game, but just enough to make it a little different. And it takes all of the campy artwork, replaces it with like scarier artwork and makes it feel more of a, serious kind of game as opposed to the campy cartoon, version. Yeah. yeah, cartoony. So I, I kind of compare it of, think of it like the old silly Godzilla movies to like the newer, like, like two the of... The newer like, silly Godzilla No, not the... No, what was the... What was the one with the big monster that trucking through the city with the leeches that were falling out? Godzilla? No, not Godzilla. Cloverfield. Oh, okay. There we go. So it's comparing like the old campy Godzilla to Clover... Really? You never saw Clover... It wasn't a very good movie anyway, but still... Either way, but it, it takes the uh, it, it takes that campiness and kind of sheds it and adds this more of a darker theme to it. And with me, whenever you take something and you give it more of a darker edge and a creepier theme, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in. I'm there. I'm going to check it out. So the last one on my list is The Crusoe Crew by Van Ryder Games. And it's a graphic novel adventures game. Basically, you hand out four comic books to the four people at the table. And each person has very similar comic books to each other. Graphic novels. And but you turn to the first page and someone is good at puzzles, someone can talk to animals, someone is very acrobatic, and you're working together to go on this adventure. But each person has different special abilities. So like I remember we walked up to a gate and I'm really good at puzzles, so I have an extra clue on my page at that gate. Someone else was very acrobatic, so like the tree above them had a clue that said they could climb over the gate. And then someone else could talk to the animals and there was a, a bird or a squirrel in the tree that gave us clues to go to the back door something similar to that. And just being able to go on the adventure together and being able to say, well, I think I can do this. We should look at this and being able to... It's look. like uh, choose your own adventure times 10. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And we played, I think that one game we played was an hour and a half maybe, maybe a little and longer. we only read like and we were a tenth of the way through yeah. what's offered. Because at hmm. the very beginning, there's a map of like 15 islands. And you can go to four or five of them right away. And we went to one and never touched that map again. And played an hour and a half, two hours exploring that one storyline. But at the very beginning of that storyline, we could turn right or turn left or something similar to that. We went one direction. So we didn't even do half of what this island had to offer because right. we never even went the other direction. Yeah, I but, wonder how much, how open the game actually is. Um, I did, 
uh, when the Kickstarter came out for the Sherlock Holmes version, I did pick up that version as well. So I haven't, we haven't had a chance to get everybody together to do that one, but I'm looking forward to doing Sherlock Holmes in that same idea. But the uh, Crusoe Crew with Graphic Novel Adventures. All right, so the next game in my list, I'm starting to get more heavy Euro-y, would be Calico. Ah, so this is, didn't I say you uh, had this on his list? Uh, <laughs> is this the quilting game? Yeah, the, the quilting, quilting game. game yeah. It's actually really good, and I'm not that big into games like Azul and stuff like that, but the puzzly nature, I mean, it's really puzzly. There's not much interaction, and you know I love my player interaction, but it's, you know, you grab your piece, and where's the best place so that I can get a cat and a button to place on my quilt? It just, it's really fun, really easy, really light. You can converse and have coffee with your friends while playing this game i don't know if i'd call this one light like it's light in the sense of the it's, mechanics the you mechanic, pick a tile, just, you're you gonna a tile grab one and, and put yeah, it down you're gonna put, put it yeah. yeah but that's what i mean like it's light rule wise you can explain the game in a minute oh yeah but sitting there holding the tile going man i really want to place it there but i really don't want to place it there because yeah. in the middle of your quilt there's three scoring tiles, tiles that you have to surround them in a certain way but then those cat scoring tiles need so many patterns in a certain way. So I need seven to score this cat. Yeah, it's balancing yeah. out. It's all but a balancing act. But those seven can't touch this one scoring tile because I only need two of these seven touching that tile. Yeah, yeah. when we played, like by the time I placed the third tile, I was like, nope, oh. nope, this isn't going to work out. So I was like, all right, I already know I'm not going to get that. And then uh, I tried to. So it, yeah, it's it was definitely a lot more puzzly it's than I realized puzzly. it. All right, so my next one is Bytes. This was another Kickstarter that I that I got in the mail. It is it, it's kind of like a reskin of another game. I honestly can't remember which, but uh, basically it's your ants at a picnic and you're going down this big long trail of food, and it's a set collection. You're collecting, you know, the different foods. You know, when you land on something, you can pick up what's either in front of it or behind it, which makes it awkward because it. I like that it's when you move, say, like the purple ant, he lands on the grapes. And in your head, you kind of register that as, oh, I'm going to get grapes. But you don't. You get what's in front or what's in back, which maybe is a grape, maybe isn't. And you don't know how they're going to score just yet because the scoring doesn't happen or the value of those fruits don't – you don't know them until the ants get to the anthill. And then whoever scores gets the best on the anthill gets to choose what scores the most, right? Yes, well, it depends. And this is what I like about it is every game – is, is going to play somewhat different because it comes with a stack of cards. You know, there's four sets of cards. There's one for, like, a special rule of the game. There's one for how are the ants going to score at the end of the game? You know, where are you going to place them on the anthill? There's one for what does the chocolate do? And there's one for what does the wine do? And every game, you just shuffle them up, pick one of each type at random, put them on the table. Those That's your rule set for the game. So, and what I liked about it especially is I, I play it with, with, uh, with my daughter, who's, she's just going to be seven now, and she, she loves it. She understands it, the basics of it, of I want to collect the food, and I want to try to have the most points, and she gets it. When we played it, and we started putting in some more of the wonky rules, <laughs> it became a lot more of a, okay, this is a little bit more thinky, because now if I move this one, you're going to be able to move to this. So you have to really kind of be careful of what your move is, because now you're opening things up for the next player. And there's some rules that like, all right, well, I don't want to be the first one to cross over this thing. Otherwise, I'm going to get negatives. But I don't want to move that. So it it, 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 it it's, turns a really simple game into 
a lot more choices than you think you should have. Yes. So, and the fact that it can range from being able to be a nice, easy, light family game all the way up to a thinky gamer type game for such a simple thing as pick up an ant, place it, pick up a piece of fruit. All right. I've talked about all 10 of mine, so we're going back to Alex. All right. So going with the heavy Euros, I think this is the best of the West Kingdom games. Paladins of the West Kingdom. Uh, I really like how puzzly it is. You're the pick a paladin to play. One goes on the bottom, one goes on the top. Oh, yeah. And I do have the extra cards that, and one leaves the game. So you're killing one, one goes, one's the next one you're going to get, one you're going to get at the end. Each paladin is different, figuring out when is the best time to play them, and then which workers you're getting and how much corruption you're getting. I think by far it's the best of the West Kingdoms, um, followed by Viscounts and then Architects. Mm. Um, Very thinky, very puzzly. That, that's all I have to say. Right. That's all I got to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> so the last one on my list is, surprise, another Kickstarter. It's apparently is a list of mostly Kickstarters. Uh, but it is Godspeed. That was on my short list. Well, I really like that game. Yeah, yeah it's so, on my short list as well. It was so, fun. So this one was this one was fun. It's, it's at its core a worker placement game. But what I like what it does is it, it makes you think about how, because it's one of the only games that, you have to place a specific worker in a specific place to get it. Like so, a scientist that have to. Yeah, go like to a scientist. Like there's this, this, this area. If you want to use the lab, you have. You to have use to use your scientist. But if you, it might make you get rid of the scientist during the bidding phase. Yeah, and in the beginning, you have to bid for turn order, which is using your your workers because they each have a number. on Because them. each have a number on them, so now you'd be like. I want to go first, but I kind of need... So you have to think, okay, what... You have to think about what I want to do this turn, and do I think that you're going to go for the same thing, and can I risk going second? Because what happened to me lots of times, which is annoying but fun, was I was last, so you guys would take the scientist spot, and I saved my scientist. No. Oh, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, but there was, like, there's a consolation, and I guess. there's like, always a generic spot, but it's never as fun or good uh-huh. to go to. Right. Yeah, so it, that, that doesn't, but then you want to bid to go first, and then it turns out that the thing that you really wanted, we didn't really particularly want anyway, and you just wasted your captain at a five. Mm-hmm. It's like, ugh. So, but yeah, but I, I thought the way that Godspeed did worker placement was... And the pieces were beautiful. You you got the upgraded Yeah, I got the pieces, upgraded so one, the yeah. pieces mm-hmm. were really nice. Real heavy uh, poker well, chip time, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, like I said, that's, that, that was on my, on my short list, too. Mm-hmm. All right, the last one I have, this one was a really weird one. And to this day, I still don't think I've mastered it. Escape Plan. Mm-hmm. So, in Escape Plan, I love the theme... You just robbed this is the a bank. city one that we're trying yeah. to get out of the city. You're trying yeah. to get out of the this city, but you need to pay to get out. But you need to go and get as much money as possible. So like, right but there's before the cops game started. You like robbed rob a, a bank and, and you s- hid. You hid the money all over the city. So you're, but it's like very very tight in actions. Like you get, I think the whole game you get six actions. You can buy more and earn more, but, but not, it's, uh, it's sometimes not worth it. And then one thing I really like is the first person to leave the city leaves for free. The second person to leaves the city needs to pay 
to leave. And if you don't calculate, like, you might want to be like, oh, I can hit this one more place to get money and but then leave. But then everybody money. leaves and then you don't have enough money to leave and you get caught by the cops. Because the money it's, that you're collecting in spot isn't liquid yet. Yeah. it's So you're, you, like, stash a painting that's worth $10,000. Yeah, like, how, but you only have 4000 in cash. Yeah. So it's it's just a really interesting. It's by Vidalis. Yeah. So his games are usually really heavy. This is one of his lighter games, but it's still like and it hits the top of our heavy list yeah. usually. But it's really really interesting and really you need it gives you that that uh, sense of like I need to get out and I need to get out now. And that and, ramps up as soon as someone looks like they're heading toward that exit. Yeah. Everyone is like, "All right, <laughs> okay, do I have enough money? Can I can, can I, I hit? Can, I, can I go to this one more place before?" And it's a great game. I think I think it's a really good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this one was. I I ran into that exact thing that you said. I was like, "Okay, I think I'm good. I'm gonna do this, and then I'm gonna then I'm just gonna dip." I'm I think done. this one was my number eleven. If yeah. I had, if I would have done top eleven, that would have been on there. <laughs> yeah. That one would have been on there for sure. All right, so that's our list of ten games. From each of the meeples that you now can go to the website. You'll be able to vote on your favorite game from each of our lists. And then we'll have all the games and you vote for your favorite game overall. So there'll be a red meeple award, blue meeple award, green meeple award. And then the overall Lone Star meeple game of the year award. Yep. Cool. Sounds good. Well, thank you everybody for tuning well, in. Oh. Uh, our contest is still going strong. Our friends at Braddock and Company have given us a 10 by 10 challenge board. Don't forget to find those um, posts and comment on them on what your favorite game is. Yep. We are definitely going to give that away with a game from our shelf. So the game is from a surprise. Kickstarter. What well, it's from Kickstarter. Um, what other clue can I give? It's, it's recent. Recent. I, I think it's from 2019. Oh. Is it on our list? It is not on any of our lists. Oh. That's why he's giving it away. Not probably. <laughs> no, but it's a, I will say it's a tactics game. All right. So tactics. Tactics. Yeah. So it's Kickstarter and it's tactics. Yeah. So if you're interested, please look for those posts. Tell us what your favorite game is and you'll be entered to win. The 10 and 10 on the board. next on the next podcast, we're going to announce the winner of the Lone Star Meeple uh, Award and the winner of the 10 by 10 Challenge. Uh, hopefully, you get it by Christmas. A little yeah. Christmas present from the Lone Star Meeple to our loyal audience. Yeah. As always, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, the Twitters. Like, share our page, and try to bring the joy of the Lone Star Meeple and to your forget, friends during the holidays. We do have a website, thelonestarmeeple.com. Indeed. So thanks for tuning in, and uh, we will speak to you guys next time. All right. All see right. y'all later, guys. See you. Right, let's go play game.